Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you again for being here, for weathering the cold. I think unless you live in really north, the roads were super clear. And we are clearly not equipped for this weather. So people from the north make fun of us. And I make fun of them when it's 110 degrees for two months or however long we had those kind of temperatures. So last week we talked a little bit about some, some of the words for 2024, and we talked about it being a year of rest. Many of the voices in our nation heard the Holy Spirit say it was a day of rest, and they were all independent of one another. These weren't even people that were necessarily connected or, or friends or whatever. Throughout 2023, and as I said last week, it was probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest year of my life, I kept getting scriptures on the much more. And then in December, my spiritual father said the Lord spoke to him. Now, I don't personally know him. This, he's an international minister. And he said that the Holy Spirit declared 2024 the year of more. And that can be good and bad. I mean, it can be more rest, more peace, more joy, or it could be more chaos and I think it's going to be both because there's, there's the goodness of God and the severity of God, according to Scripture. And so we want to be on the good side. You know, it's not a matter of being on each other's side. It's a matter of being on the Lord's side. And that's the side I want to be on. And so I'm going to read some portions to you today of different words and tell you some stories. And... Uh, tell you what I believe the more is or the much more is. But I do want to read, this came out after last week, one thing that the Lord spoke to me in 2023 during some difficult times. At the very, toward the end of the year, I heard the Lord just, it just popped up in my spirit. It wasn't an audible voice. I just, you know, the voice of the Holy Spirit is more often than not that small, still voice. Not an earthquake, not a hurricane, just that small, still voice. And it comes from within here. And I heard him say, in 2024, I will restore your roar. And I needed my roar restored because there were many times during 2023 that I would just sit in my prayer chair quiet, just quiet. Didn't know what to say. Anybody ever been there? Bet you have. I mean, if you haven't, you must just have been born. <laughs> so this other ministry, I got this email. It says, change in the air. Change is in the air, and God is restoring our roar in 2024. This just came out January 1st. Remember to keep wearing your slippers as a prophetic reminder of the rest that you are stepping into this year. The Lord has said that change is in the air. So this is the time for the body of Christ to stand together in faith and expect to see yokes destroyed and a shift for the better in 2024. And I love that prophetic picture 
of wearing your slippers. Now, I don't know about you, but in my house, I wear slippers. I don't care if company's coming. I don't care who's coming. I wear slippers. If I go to my girl's house, I'll put on slippers. I like slippers. I have lots of them. I'm really picky about which ones I wear. But I never thought of it as slippers being a picture of a place of rest. Obviously, I'm not going to wear slippers to the mall or to the grocery store or to church. Well, I might, but... But they are, it's a place of rest. It's a place of being at home, of your, of your dwelling. And so when you put on your slippers when you get home, you ought to think about that. I'm going to read portions from my spiritual father, 2024, the year of more and more and more and more. What about 2024? 2024 is going to be a powerful year. There are going to be some marvelous things happen. It is like the old saying, it will be the best of times and the worst of times. There are some things that will settle down during 2024. There are some things that will speed up. This outpouring of my spirit that has happened is happening all over the world and will get more intensified. It will be stronger and stronger and stronger. The devil will get all upset, but who does he think he is? I took his power away from him in his own domain. I embarrassed him in hell right in front of all that served him and destroyed his power and brought him to naught and brought him to nothing. He has nothing left but the lie. And he'll lie and he'll lie and he'll lie. He will upset a lot of people. There will still be wars and rumors of wars. But there are coming victories that you are going to be so thrilled about. There are going to be financial wars that you are going to win. I will watch over your house and I will watch over your door. I will see to it that the thief stays away from your house. I will see to it that the blood of the lamb will be the victory in your life. I went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He is still the oppressor, and I am still the healer. We will work together, and we will see great victories. I'm skipping a lot of this. I just highlighted pertinent points. 2024 will be a year more and more and more and more. More finances, more healings, more miracles, more outpourings, more people coming to Jesus, more things happening. I am the God of increase, says the Lord. I am not the God of death. I am the God of war. Thank you, Jesus. So rejoice and be glad, for I have things well under control for those that will obey me and will listen to my voice. I will keep you and protect you throughout 2024. For 2024, we're standing on victory shore, and the clouds on the horizon are for rains of his glory. The glory is falling, the glory of the living God, that in a wilderness it was a fire by night, a cloud by day. And as the people walked through that wilderness, he was always there. The glory was always present. We'll see this in 2024 and 2025. Great and wonderful and marvelous things are happening in the spirit realm and the natural realm, but most especially the financial realm. For it is a great breakthrough for God's people financially that will listen to him and listen to his word and realize the power of biblical prosperity. In 2024, we're standing on victory shore. We'll launch out into the deep and a great harvest we will reap. We're standing on victory shore in 2024. The people of faith in 2024 will be standing on victory shore. Launch out into the deep and reap mercies galore. Launch out into the deep, walking by faith, living in a place where the devil has no honor and cannot touch. That place is victory shore in 2024. The miracles of my hands, says the Lord, shall rise strong and filled with fire. 
that those who come to me living a life of dire will fall on their face on Victory Shore in 2024. And so tell everyone you know and everyone you see, victory is for you and victory is for me because I'm standing on Victory Shore in 2024. Oppression shall surely come, but not by me, for I have sworn that I will not be angry with you. My power has not waned. My arm is not short. So take the high ground and stand on Victory Shore in 2024, a year when the glory shall be manifested, for Emmanuel is here. Now I'm taking it. I'm taking Victory Shore. I've had enough of the other stuff. And like I said, many times I just wanted to be silent. And so when the Lord said, I will restore your roar in, roar in 2024, and then here my spiritual father says that and, and um, this other ministry, and then I'm going to read to you at the end just a short clip from Lana Vosser. If you did not, women, if you did not read the word, I heard the Lord speaking over many daughters of God. I am bringing you forth refreshed and restored. Here is your comeback. You need to get online and look it up. It was very, very, very powerful. I'm speaking out almost every day. And so, but I'm just going to read you one little clip. <clears throat> daughters of God, I am birthing in you a resolve by my spirit. As you continue to yield to me and depend on me, I am birthing within you a resolve of faith that you have not known. I am igniting the fire of faith within you again. Hope deferred, dashed and broken dreams, broken hearts, heaviness will no longer hinder your faith. Receive it now. The fire of my presence reigniting faith within you in the revelation of my nature and my goodness. I am restoring your roar. So how many times do you need to hear it? See, when the Lord, the Bible says that there's no prophecy of private interpretation. And so here's the deal. When God keeps saying something over and over and over again, if it's the Lord, he's gonna, you're going to hear it all over the place. Not just in your own little ear. I mean, you will hear it, but you're going to hear it in other places. Because the testimony, the Bible says, is confirmed by two or three witnesses. So when you hear it two and three and four and five and six times, and you know it's the Spirit of God. And so I want to look at what the much more looks like, at least it does for me. And as I said throughout 2023, and I recorded it over and over and over again in my journal, the Lord talking about the much more, not just the more, but the much more. So let's just look at a few scriptures. Matthew 6, 26 through 30. Now this is on provision. If you're concerned about finances today, and a lot of people are. What's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with the election? What's going to happen with the dollar? What's going to happen with the financial markets of the world? Well, I don't know. But we are not of the world. We're of the kingdom. And until we get kingdom-minded, and I'll tell you what that looks like in a minute, then, well, you should worry if you're not kingdom-minded because you don't have much hope. Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth much more than they? That's a question. Are you not worth much more than the birds of the field? I had a friend over the other day, and a young friend, and we were talking, all of a sudden we hear, bam, like that. And we both went, and I looked out the window, and there was no, you know, FedEx or whatever. I looked on Ring, there's nobody at the door. And we were like, well, we don't know what that is. And so then 
little bit later, Randy came home, and she was getting ready to leave. And we opened the door, and there right on my doormat was the biggest, most beautiful bird that had crashed into the window. And, and so, of course, I wanted to raise it from the dead, and Randy wouldn't let me. But, you know, I look at those birds, and I just think I'm worth much more than they are. And yet, they're beautiful. And I've never had a bird come to my door and knock on my door and ask me for food. And who of you, by worrying and being anxious, can add one unit of measure to a stature or the span of your life? And why should you be anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field and learn how they grow. They don't toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and green, tomorrow is tossed in the furnace, will he not much more surely clothe you, O you of little faith? You don't have to worry about clothes. I give away so many of my clothes. Honestly, I looked at my summer clothes the other day and I thought, I need a new wardrobe. I didn't realize I'd given so many away, I didn't have many left. I'm not worried about it. God says he will clothe me more, much more than the lilies of the field, and they're pretty beautiful. Fell the flowers, or let's just say for Texans, let's just say he'll clothe us better than the blue bonnets. And they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. Only we have to keep the main thing the main thing, or first things first. Jesus tells us one thing to do. Luke 12, 31. Only aim at and strive for and seek his kingdom. And all these things, your food, your clothes, your provision, shall be supplied to you. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, don't you just love to give to your children? And if you have grandchildren, I do. I love it. I don't care if I get one thing, but I love giving to my children and grandchildren. It gives me pleasure. And the Bible says it is the Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? It is righteousness, his way of being and doing right. It's the great exchange. He took our sin and he wore it as a garment and he gave us his garment, his robe of righteousness. It's living right with God because of the blood of Jesus. And peace, the kingdom of God is peace. What is that? It's wholeness, shalom. Remember, I told you that when they translated, Jesus didn't speak Greek, he spoke Aramaic. When he said, peace I leave, he said, shalom I leave you. But when it was translated, the closest word to shalom in the Greek was Irene, E-I-R-E-N-E. And it means the same thing. Oneness, wholeness, completeness, health, safety, prosperity. The kingdom of God is peace and the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit as is peace. Here's the deal. Happiness is not joy. You see, your happiness is depend on your happenstance, on how's your marriage going? How are your relationships going? Do you have enough money in the bank? Are you healthy? Happiness depends on your circumstance. But joy is something that's on the inside of you. And you know what brings us great joy? You ready for this? Most people don't think about this. 
Jesus said. If you read the, I, yesterday I sit down, I read John 14, 15, and 16. You should read it all together. It's so beautiful. And three or four different times, Jesus says to ask in his name and receive that your joy may be full. It gives us joy. That joy comes forth when we see our prayers answered. I don't know about you, but there's times I have my prayers answered that I just leap for joy. Hebrews 9, 13. For if the mere sprinkling of unholy and defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient to purify our body, how much more surely shall the blood of Christ, who by virtue of the Holy Spirit has offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the ever-living God. Much more we can walk with a clean conscience. I love that. Because there's not much worse than walking with a disturbed conscience, is there? When, you're, when your conscience is guilty all the time and you feel condemned, you don't feel like you can receive from God, that's, that's not a good much more. But much more, the blood of Christ has cleansed my conscience. I have a book that was written by uh, somebody Randy went to high school with. His name was Michael Barry, B-A-R-R-Y. And he's a therapist that worked in, um, I want to, oh golly, it's a ca uh, cancer institute. Um, I, I want to say it's the American Cancer Institute or something like that. I don't remember. But he wrote a book. It's called The Forgiveness Project. I mean, you got to hear this. They started having, it didn't matter if a person was a believer or not, forgiveness classes in this cancer institute. And the, the people suffering from cancer, they had to sign up for it. It didn't mean they had to take it. It was not mandatory. But if they wanted to take it, they could take it. And what they started seeing is when these therapists dealt with the unforgiveness and the debts that a lot of these cancer patients were carrying, they were spontaneously healed. And there's in the book, testimony after testimony after testimony, that these people would cancel the debts, they would forgive all the debts, and they would go into what medical people call spontaneous remission. What is that? It means that the cancer would disappear for no explainable reason. And so the book's called The Forgiveness Project. And there's just all these testimonies of people that literally were supernaturally healed when they forgave. It's worth forgiving, I'd say, wouldn't you? Now, it doesn't mean if you, you know, have fought cancer that, that you have unforgiveness. But I would sure check it out just to be sure. Romans 5, 9 and 10. Therefore, since we are now justified by Christ's blood, how much more certain is it that we will be saved by him from the wrath of God? This is powerful, people. It says right here, God is not mad with you. If you receive the much more of the forgiveness of God because of the blood of Jesus, then you are saved from the wrath of God. I love that. God's not mad at you. For if while we were yet in, excuse me, if while we were enemies, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain now that we are reconciled that we will be saved through his resurrection life. 
much more certain that I have sozo, rescue, deliverance, wholeness through the blood of his son. Romans 5, 15 through 17. This is one of my favorites. For if many die through one man's falling away, Adam, of course, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow for the benefit of many. So all mankind fell through the sin of Adam. But much more, much more, those that receive the grace of God will be saved through his life. Verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting them in right standing with God, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So the Bible says, I reign over my storms, they don't reign over me. I reign, R-E-I-G-N, over my circumstances, they don't reign over me. Why? Much more. If I receive his grace, his undeserved favor, his unearned favor, his unmerited favor, I receive his grace and I received his gift of being in right standing with God, then I will reign like a king. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. And let me tell you what a big pitfall is, and that is trying to earn his grace. Works is what I can do to deserve it. Grace is there's nothing I can do. I just take it. I take it because of Jesus. And I love this one, Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Jesus, again, is asking a question. I think we ought to answer his questions with his word. What man is there of you? If his son asks him for a loaf of bread, we'll hand him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll hand him a serpent. If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good and advantageous gifts to those who keep on asking him? So what, what happens? We quit. We give up. We, we forfeit. We just default because we don't see it now. I want it now. I want it now. I've been praying for a whole month. I want it this minute. Let me tell you something. There are things I've been praying for for many years, and I had, I had a situation where the Lord gave me this, the absolute truth, the promise. I think I told you some of this because we were terribly defrauded. This is back in the 19, early 80s. Yeah, early 80s. God gave me a promise in Isaiah 61 that he would give me double what we forfeited. So I calculated everything that we forfeited. And I began to decree every day in the name of Jesus, I receive for Randy and I double what we forfeited and I listed the amount. I think I used with y'all the example, let's, let's just make it up, let's just say a million dollars I decree we receive double what we forfeited, $1 million plus accrued interest accumulated at market value over the past 30-something years. And it wasn't until recently Randy was going over our finances, which I don't understand at all, but he's a CPA, so I just let him. And he was going over it, and he said, and this is the amount, and this was just things that, you know, he's a very excellent steward, excellent steward over finances. I can't even describe how excellent he is. 
I mean, there's not a flaw in, in anything that he does for us. And, and so I, he said, here's the final amount. And I looked at it. And it was literally almost to the penny double what we forfeited. Plus accrued interest accumulated at market value. But it took years. Because see, I thought, this is how I thought, and this is not smart. I thought, well, someday somebody will just walk up and, or we'll win the lotto, which I don't even buy tickets, so that would have been hard. <laughs> somebody will give me a lotto ticket and it's going to have that amount on it or somebody, you know, somebody that I don't know, some great lost relative somewhere leaves me. You know how you do, right? You know, you have all these thoughts and you tell God how to do it. I mean, you got it all wrapped up in your package with the bow. And it just doesn't work that way. So I didn't expect it the way the Lord did it, but he did it. And I smiled and I said, Randy, because I had already shared what I was praying. I said, look, this is exactly. And he said, I know. That's why I wanted you to see it. So don't give up. You see, if you give up, you're going to lose the much more. And maybe that's why I'm here today to tell you these things. Luke 11 11 and 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good gifts to their advantage to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask him. Now, here's the deal. I was reading yesterday about the Holy Spirit. I came across this, and it's very, very powerful. In John 14, 16, and 26, John 15, 26, John 16, 7, and 1 John 2, 1. The Holy Spirit is, the Greek is the parakletos. It is taken from two words, para and kleta. Those two words combined mean redeemer of who, redeemer who ends the curse. Redeemer who ends the curse. I looked it up. I mean, I went back to the Greek. I looked it up myself. I don't believe just what people say. I need to see it for myself. In the book of Acts, the Berean church, they always went to the Bible to see if it was so. So Jesus said, how much more will I give the Redeemer from the curse to those who ask him? So we can have the much more of the Holy Spirit. See, one word, one word from God can change your life forever. And then I want to just do one more thing, and then we're going to close. So I believe this year we're going to have much more of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Delinda was declaring that during worship. Uh, much more divine reversals, much more peace, much more joy, much more grace. All because of grace. And then there's two other things that the Holy Spirit was ministering to me. And that's two words, no more. I kept getting no more. Acts 30, 18 and 19. And therefore the Lord earnestly waits to be gracious to you. He lifts himself to have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him, who expect and look for and long for him. His victory, favor, love, peace, joy, his matchless unbroken companionship. O people who dwell in Zion, you will weep no more. 
He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Isaiah 33, 19. You will see no more the fierce and insolent people, a people of a speech too deep and obscure to be comprehended, of a strange and stammering tongue. You cannot understand. This is the enemy. He said, you'll weep no more, and you're not going to see that which oppresses you. No more, no more. you got to take it. you got to apprehend this. It's not going to just float out of the sky. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 that the word the Israelites heard did not profit them because it was not united with faith. You've got to unite your faith with the word of God. So... I seek the Lord at the end of every year for one word for, for the next year. Just one word that he wants me to live out. In fact, we do this. We did this with our marriage group last uh, year. We're going to do it again this year. And then when we come together at the end of the year, we talk about how did you fulfill this in your marriage. So my one word for 2023 was the word gratitude. Now, faith without works is dead. You have to do something to bring it to pass. And so what I did is I got a jar and I, my granddaughter did a, has one of those cricket machines and she in gold put gratitude across it. And every day, Randy and I, before we would get on with our day, we would write one thing we were grateful for and put it in the jar. And then every Sunday morning at breakfast, we would get it out and we would read every we would say I am grateful for and we would read what we had written down and we still do that we're going to keep on doing it because it reminds us to be grateful it's gratitude over grumbling this year I asked the Lord what is the one word Lord for me and I'm going to tell you the truth I did not like what he said because I know what it involves and that word was love now that sounds really sweet but if you read in 1 Corinthians 13 what love is, you know, things like love is not touchy, fretful, resentful. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Love bears up anything and everything. Love's ever ready to, uh, to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless. Love is patient. Love is kind. I mean, love is something you do. It's not, we think of love as, something you feel, and it is an emotion. But that's phileo love. But agape love is not a feeling. Agape love is an action. It's what you do. And so I knew that the Lord was calling me again to a higher standard. And here's why. We're going to be talking about this in weeks to come. Faith works by love. If your faith is not working, check your love walk. That's all there is to it. And that kind of stinks, but it's the way it is. And so my word was love. Randy's word was thoughtfulness. I can't wait to see how he does that. I'm so excited. <laughs> but in doing this, I sought the Lord. And he heard and he answered. I want to live above the snake line. Everybody know what that is? If you go up to a high enough altitude, there's snakes can't breathe there. I remember thinking, because I really, really, really enjoy the state of Colorado because the Rockies are just beautiful. They're not as beautiful as the Alps, 
If you've never seen the Alps, you need to make a trip someday. The Alps are breathtaking. But next to the Alps, I really like the Rockies. So I enjoy going to Colorado. And uh, we were at the Garden of the Gods. How many of you have ever been to the Garden of the Gods? I mean, it's a, like, wasn't it, wasn't it an Indian reservation? And, and the rock formations are absolutely glorious. They're beautiful. And so we were there with some friends, and we were going to go hiking. And I thought, oh, I am so excited. We're just going to go up in these mountains. We're going to hike. And there's, we don't have to be concerned about here. And we get to the base of the hiking trail, and there's a big sign. And it says, Eastern Back Rattlesnakes. Eastern Diamondback Rattlesnakes are active in warm weather. And this was June, July. So we turned around because I decided I didn't want to hike anymore. We went back to the 11,000 feet we were staying at, above the snake line. And I want to live above the snake line. And so I started asking the Lord to reveal any obstacle in me that would hinder me from receiving. I'm telling you this because you might want to do it as well. So I was talking to a friend and... The friend was just sharing with me how when in the abusive home she grew up in that she witnessed a lot of fighting. And so her tendency is, is if she felt attacked in any way was to fight. And I stopped and I said, well, you know, that's interesting because I'm just the opposite in the home I grew up in, my tendency was to fly. Where there was anger, whatever, I just wanted to run. And then as deeper knowledge came, therapists have actually amplified that. So it's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And what is fawn? Fawn is the wide-eyed, I think most abused women have this, where you will just do anything you can to please, even if it means compromising the truth. Well, I won't do that. But I realize, well, flight and freeze. Now, these are response, stress responses to trauma. But if you have a stress response to trauma, even if you're not in that situation still that caused that, you're still going to react that way in a traumatic situation, okay? I'm just giving you understanding. I'm not trying to do psychobabble or anything like that. But it gave me understanding that if I see strife, and I don't allow strife in my life at all, but if I see strife, if I witness strife, if I witness impatience, if I witness anger, then I'll immediately freeze and try to get away from it. And that's just not a healthy response. See, we have to stand in the face of adversity. See, knowledge is power. And so I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Why do I do what I do? If it's something that you know is not beneficial, or if it's something you know might be hindering your receiving, the more. Ask him to show you why. Because it wasn't until I did that that I understood why I do what I do. 
And the truth is, it's not healthy. I mean, it's just not healthy. So I can't work on you, but I can work on me. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I can ask him. Or, or we can just, you know, sweep it under the carpet. Hope it goes away. And that's what most people do. And it's not healthy. You see, it's the truth you know and do that will set you free. So if you know there's an unhealthy response in you, an unhealthy behavior, or you tend to, I'll give an example, withdrawing your spirit. Why do you withdraw your spirit? Well, somewhere in there is that fight, flight, freeze, fawn thing. And so I want to be free. And I'm still working on me. But I'll submit to the Holy Spirit. And remember Romans 5, 17, if you receive the abundance of grace, how much more will you reign in life? You've got to receive it. So I just want to encourage you today. Be open for the more. The much more, the good more, the more provision, the more grace, the more peace, the more love, the more joy. Ask the Lord, what word do you want to define my 2024? So for me, it's love. For Randy, it's thoughtfulness. I don't know what it is for you. I'd love to hear it. He'll, he'll show you if you ask him. Because you see what? If you aim at nothing, you might hit something you don't want to hit. So let's... As Ephesians 5 says, to live accurately and circumspectly and worthily, redeeming the time for the days are evil. And this is one way we redeem the time. So, Father, thank you that you promised the more. Thank you that you promised you're going to restore our roar in 2024. And, Lord, I pray for every one of us, everyone in my hearing, that if there's anything in our souls that are hindering us receiving the fullness of all that our good Father wants to give us, you'll reveal it to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we'll be able to take it. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for safety. We pray for all those who are still frozen in that you will melt that ice. Thank you, Lord, that the sun is shining today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.